Welcome to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Sasquatch usually listens to us while getting his weekly massage. Most people don't know that, but it's true. This is Through the Pines, and on this episode, we will cover uh, bear market basics because... You know, I think we're there. I think it's about time. So our financial wizards this week include Rex Baxter and Brandon Smith. We'll go ahead and bring them into the side. Brandon, how are you? Good. Good. How are you guys? Good. And uh, so, Brandon, you said you guys went over these these notes here before the show. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, I have notes on what a bear market is. So let me make sure I think I, I can define it. So a term is sometimes thrown around loosely, but there's a real definition. This is according to Market Watch. That's generally agreed upon. A bear market is a downturn of 20% or more lasting at least 60 days in a broad equity index, such as the Dow Jones, S&P 500, or the NASDAQ. Um, are we in a bear market, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, I think we're and and to your point, right? There's a various, you know, bear markets, recessions, right? People have various definitions of them, but yeah, I, I think finally everyone's coming around saying, yeah, I think I think this is it. I think we're in the bear market. Okay, are we in a recession? Technically, no. Okay. It seems, but we very well might be kind of in the midst of it. All right. Rex is the political answer. It's the political answer. Okay, Rex, what are we in a recession? <laughs> so, so that's always tricky, right? So you measure a recession by two quarters. Traditionally, you measure it by two quarters of negative GDP. And the first quarter came out with negative GDP. Second quarter, we won't get the reading until the first reading until the middle of July. And then, and they revise it in August and September. Um, and so, so far, technically, we've only had one quarter of negative GDP. So everybody's going to say, no, we're oh. not in a recession yet. And the reality is we may be in one. We just won't know it for a month or two months or three months. And by then, we may be out of the recession, right? Gotcha. Because it's always a lagging a, a lagging number. Yeah, you got to so, wait for the time to go by. But, uh, but people in yeah. their pocketbooks with inflation are feeling less money um, retail sales were down, uh, in May. Uh, I can, I can say that's true for our shop here in town. They're down across the board. And so they have, they have less money to invest. And so what does that do to people's portfolios? How does it affect investing the type of market we're in right now where, um, you know, day after day we're seeing down numbers instead of, instead of positive numbers? I, I think it invest, affects investing in a lot of different ways. It's it's funny because on, on LinkedIn today, I just shot out a quick little survey uh, just saying, you know, obviously we're having a lot of inflation. Um, has it impacted any of your personal habits yet? And, and you know, yes, no, comment, you know, let me know how or why or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but Rex, and your so friends I, are different than my friends on LinkedIn. You have friends on LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so it's it was interesting you know as far as uh as some of the responses you know some of the responses were um you know instead of we, we always joke in our family about grandpa bob's shortcuts right mm -hmm. and because he would always get lost and call it a shortcut and so it would take us you know 30 minutes to drive a, a 10 minute line yeah um and so people would comment that you know we're driving straight to and from work no detours you know, I'm not leaving my car idling because of gas prices. And, 
And so far, that's the majority of the responses. And so, you know, I'm not sure that I think inflation is starting to impact people's habits a little bit and some of their food ordering and, and some of their shopping and and they're kind of buckling down a little bit. But I'm not sure it's really had that big of an impact yet, but I think it will. I think it'll have a significant impact. So you think so you think has, more has is it coming? Changed your I, well, I think I think the changes to people's lives are coming. I think inflation will stay elevated um, for a while, and and I think as the longer it stays elevated, then the more things it changes in people's lives, the more it affects their buying habits and and personal spending and things like that. So has okay. it changed your your spending habits yet? Yeah, I'll, Brandon, I'll talk about change anything in your life spending wise. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Brandon, jump in here real quick. What you know? What do you think this has done to people's um, investments uh, strategies? Well, on, let, let me come real quick on on the spending. I, I from the people I've talked to, clients, friends, family. It seems uh, I've heard a lot of people change their destination of their trip, but not change their trips. Right? Instead right. of going all the way down to Southern Utah, like we're going to stick around up here. Um, and, and, and so it, it feels like that's there as a contingent on that. And we talk about this a lot. The U S consumer today is still in an incredibly healthy place as far as debt to income ratios go, meaning how much debt are they strapped with that they have to pay relative to their income. Um, and, and, and their savings rates are actually really, really high relative to historical norms. Um, and, and so because of that, the consumer, the average American is actually able to kind of swallow some of this inflation. The question really becomes, and, and ironically, I think is key to, to where we're at in the markets today, is how much is the consumer going to need to feel like they need to tighten their budgets, right? How much are they going to stop spending versus how much are they going to use some of that um, cushion that they've built up, right? And, and I think a lot of that will end up coming from, you know, outlooks and consumer sentiment on where things are going and where things are headed. And so we're kind of in somewhat of a limbo stage right now where, where consumers are still healthy, corporations are still healthy, but, but there's a lot of unknowns on the horizon. And so that, that kind of wrap, bring that full circle to your question on the markets and, and on investing, I, I think it, it comes back to, ironically, the what's always the answer, and that is understanding that we can't predict short-term markets, right? Nobody has a crystal ball. And even when markets are doing well, it's important to plan for the what if, if they don't. And, and when markets are down, you got to plan for the what if. What if they go down lower? Or what if they come back out of it? And so understanding that we don't know what's going to happen in the short term then we look at our portfolios and say, what is, you know, what is our ultimate investment objective? Do we need this money, you know, two years down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. And from that, we make our, our investment decisions, understanding that we don't, we can't predict the future, but that we can, you know, position portfolios to take advantage of, of, of potential opportunities. Okay. So Rex, the answer would be yes, it has changed mine slightly. Uh, my buying habits. So in other words, uh, there's always podcast equipment I can buy, live streaming equipment and things. And, but most of it is not cheap. And so on bigger purchases, I'm like, you know what, I'll just stick it in the bank. And when I feel a little bit more confident about the market and everything working out, um, 
then uh, I might pull the trigger then. Now, I think it depends also on the industry you're in because if you have more, like I'm in retail and retail sales are down, so I see, I'm see i seeing it first. Where if you're in a different you know, government job or something where your your income is a bit more guaranteed, maybe maybe you're just not even concerned at all. So I don't, I don't know if you're seeing any of that, Rex. I am seeing some of the habits like what you're saying as far as big item purchases or, you know, discretionary items that, that are getting delayed a little bit um, just because people are nervous. Yeah. And, and and I think that's warranted, you know, to, to delay some of those things a little bit. I We get a lot of calls about, oh, I need to replace my roof sometime soon. Well, do you really need to do it right this minute or should we wait two or three months or is it something that can still last two or three more years until we really need to replace it? And I think people are rethinking some of those decisions on some of their buying patterns. So I, I, I'm seeing some of that and, and that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? To where it throws hmm. the economy into a recession yeah. because people are nervous. So, so that, that will be interesting to see. I think that the biggest thing I see about investing and how it affects in people's, people's investing is, is kind of the emotional dynamic of it of, of, okay, I have cash and, you know, if, if they're dollar cost averaging, meaning you're putting money into your 401k, typically that doesn't change during a recession versus a non-recession, typically, unless it gets extreme and you're you're having a hard time buying food, right? Then obviously they're going to turn off the 401k and they're check to check and, and, and they're pulling it in. But where we do see it changing is when they've been saving into a savings account, their savings account has, has been ballooning and people are very hesitant to put that into the market in the middle of a bear market because intuitively we all know what we should do right buy, buy now know that we should buy low buy on the down high. right right because things are on sell right if all of a sudden you know gear 30 has a 50 percent off sell but, then but what's your timeline buys it but if the stock market has a 50 what's that but what's your timeline buy on the down or buy but if your timeline is only five years you still buy in but you're, you're buying, yeah, then you're still buying, right? Because most bear markets last a lot shorter time than five years. Okay. Right? And so and so you're still buying, but you may be averaging in instead of buying in a lump sum, right? Because nobody's going to time that, like, like Brandon said, nobody can predict the market. Nobody yeah. can predict what's going to happen tomorrow or where the bottom is. And so you may want a dollar cost average, meaning putting money into work, you know, a little bit each month or over some time period. Um, as far as that's concerned, but it's those emotions and, and we get, you know, we get calls from people, um, either clients or non-clients that just say, my gosh, I sell it all. Are we going to zero? Are we going back to the bartering days? Is, is, you know, the entire financial market going to implode because I read an internet article. No, don't get on YouTube was. right now. It's all over. Yeah. Yeah. We're going down. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's all over. It's all over, you know, podcasts, you've got YouTube articles, you have, you know, anybody that wants an ad click, that's, that's kind of their bait right there. So, you know, what, what's interesting though, and I think this is a perfect time to bring this up. What's interesting about this, this beginning into a bear market, beginning into a recession is typically historically, as we've experienced economic expansion as, as, markets have like ramped up and gotten hotter and hotter, right? Things have gotten better and better. What you have usually seen is the American 
public, right? The average American has really ramped up their credit card debt. They've, they've gotten more home debt. They've gotten more car debt, right? And, and you see people overextend in those really good times. And, and to, to my comment earlier, that didn't happen at, over the last decade, right? Usually, and it's fun to see these charts, right? That, that you can watch the pattern of, of over-optimism, people spending way more, running up more debt, spending more than they're earning. And, and then this last time, it didn't happen. In fact, it kind of meandered low. We saw COVID and went even lower. And, and so I think people are right, to Rex's point, right, to stay more conservative, right, to, to be, you know, be concerned and be cautious about things. But what's nice is that, that people are, are incredibly healthy. Not only that, what is the number one concern right now that is on everyone's mind? It's inflation. And yeah. what, is, what is, when you boil inflation down, what is it? It's too many dollars chasing too few goods, right? We've got everyone wanting to buy concrete, everybody wanting to buy, you know, what, whatever, cars, all these things. And if we, if we see a significant consumer, you know, sentiment change and people stop trying to go out and buy all this, I mean, that, that should help with inflation, um, which, which could, you know, kind of bring this down. So I think one, one point that most economists, you know, accredited economists that, that I've, I've listened to, I mean, it's a mixed bag as far as are we going into recession, what kind of recession, but for the most part, most people think it'll be a fairly light recession if we see one. And, <laughs> that, and the, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just no, thinking sorry. of like, uh, uh, you know, Miller light, the beer light, it's recession light. Oh, like, no, what, yeah, this is. This is, uh, you know, it'll, it'll happen fast. So, so we've, we've agreed on, you know, we're in a bear market. We have had one quarter of a downturn and maybe a second quarter, which, which would mean we're in an official recession. But Brandon, are you playing with portfolios right now? Are, are you doing uh, a lot of work in, in people's investments as far as that goes? How often are people calling you to say, hey, I need to make adjustments? Because on our last podcast, we talked about, um, you know, people's tolerances and what they, what they can handle. And, and, uh, you know, when you start losing some money, those may change. So as much work as you do up front to make sure that those are, uh, taken care of up front, are people worried now? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's always, I mean, there's always room for concern, right. And, and, and especially when you see the numbers and, and what the markets are doing, that, that makes anybody nervous. We're, and, and, and Rex and I, right, we're always looking at the portfolios. We're always looking for opportunities, you know, to, to remove risk or add, add extra, you know, opportunity to the portfolio. But, but I'd say the most important thing you can do during a bear market is, is what you did six months to a year before, right? It, it's taking the time while markets are good to check on the portfolios. And not only the portfolios, but more importantly, individual circumstances, are we young and, and we can, we can you know, these swings are not only not going to affect our long-term money, but almost be a good buying opportunity? Or are we getting closer to retirement and, and we can't afford, you know, to see, see quite the swings? And so we're going to make sure we've got things in place so that we can take the distributions we need, you know, out of the portfolios when we need them. And so, you know, of course, we're always watching it. We're always making adjustments here or there. But, but to answer, I guess, your question directly, are we you know, looking at the portfolio saying, all right, I'm going to sell the whole thing and move the cash and, and try and time this market. And, and the answer is no, right? And, and the reason it's no is because of literally countless studies that have shown that that's a bad, <laughs> a bad strategy. And not only that, I, I mean, I've seen firsthand 
Um, a lot of very smart and intelligent people try to do that. And I cannot believe, I mean, it's hard to time when to sell, right? It's hard to time a peak, but it's even harder to time getting in at the bottom. And, and, and the people that I've seen that are still aching from 2008 are all the people that sold at the bottom and didn't get back in. But most people, right, that were able to stay the course, that knew what their risk tolerance was going into 2008 and were able to ride that through, I mean, it was it was a, a little bit of a painful memory, but it wasn't an open wound still. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, what's important to keep in mind today, you know, as we're going through this, that, you know, right now it's bad. It's not 2008. It likely won't become a 2008. It could. Right. You never know. Um, but but make sure that you learn from the past. Right. Make sure that you you're in a portfolio that is is built for you and for your retirement and that you're able to ride that portfolio out. All right, Rex, um, is it too, is it too late? Uh, so if someone was doing some of their own investing and now they need to reach out to planwithbaxter.com because they're, they've lost so much money over the past two months, is it, is it too late to reach out to you? Um, no, it's never <laughs> too late to go to planwithbaxter.com. <laughs> okay. Good, good answer. So, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I it's not too late, but pe- people get embarrassed or scared or or they you know they think oh I'm going to wait until it recovers and and things like that or I'm going to sell and go to cash and and I think the smartest thing that they can do you got to sp- swallow some pride right you got to swallow some pride and be like I try to do it on my own it's not working Plan right with or, or even yeah. even just get a second opinion yeah. right and just and just say how much risk am I taking I and mean, we have some amazing tools right that if you if you have investments at, at a number of different places, whether it's your 401k or you have different brokerage accounts or IRA accounts at different institutions to where we can, you know, look at that and bring it all together and and kind of go through at an x-ray level and say, you know, how exposed are you to different sectors of the economy? How much overweight do you have to specific companies that are out there? So that we can really dig in and look at how aggressive is your portfolio today and and how aggressive should your portfolio be long term now now the difficult thing is is if someone's taking you know a scale of 1 to 10 taking a level 10 risk right and and so they're down even more than what the markets are right now and they come to us and have us look at it then we have to have the real discussion of is is now the time to reduce that risk at the bottom or is now the time to evaluate it, understanding that this may not be done, right? We mm-hmm. may have more downside risk to go. And can you stomach that so that we can then recover with the markets and and then make the risk change at a higher point? Rex, what and are you so telling normal- customers? What are you telling clients right now when they say, hey, how long is this gonna last? Forever. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I'm full of optimism. So, so, you know, I, I think the average bear market lasts for, you know, 10 months or something like that is kind of the average bear market. No, I've got it. I got it. I have the notes. So the average length of a bear market is 289 days or about 9.6 months. That's significantly shorter than the average length of the uh, bull market, which is 991 days or 2.7 years. This is according to... I lost it. I don't know what, I don't know who it's, oh, market watch. Yeah. So, so again, if I round, 
sorry for rounding 10 yeah, months yeah. and said 9.6. Yeah. So, so, you know, the average bear market at, at roughly 10 months and, and it's interesting because again, the technical term of the bear market is down 20% for 60 days or more. Well, we've only been down 20% for maybe a week or two, right? right? We haven't been down 20% for, for two months yet. And yet I would still argue that we're in a bear market. And I would argue that the bear market started early this year, back in January, February is when that downturn began. Right. And so if we look at 10 months after that, then then that would say based on on the average length that, you know, we may be down in this territory for another few months still. So again, that's just averages, though. And so I don't I'm not sure that that's really the case. My you know, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of opinions out there that by the end of the year that we're quite a bit higher than where we're at today. Not to say that we're done going down again. I'm not sure that we're done with this downturn. I think that there's still probably a little bit more left in it, but, but you can't predict that. And so who knows, but my well, gut feeling what, is that we're, we're closer to the bottom than we are at the top is my opinion. Okay. That's a good guess. Or, you know, that's, that's good. People like to hear that. What, um, for these people who started investing in, you know, late 2020, early 21, because uh, di- I didn't watch, I didn't look today. Did it dip below the Dow? Dip below thirty, or, or where did it end up yeah, at? Yeah, it did. It, I think it ended at. As a matter of fact, I can pull that up. But I, I think we ended at twenty nine nine. Yeah, twenty twenty nine nine two seven. Okay, so we so we're so we're like eighteen months. Like we've lost everything, all the gains in the last. So what do you what do you tell people who are fairly new to the market, and this is their first experience with investing, and they think it sucks. I, I tell them that they're probably going to have another 10 of these during their life at least. Hmm. And that that is part of investing, that you're going to get a bear market, typically, you know, something that that's like this once every three to five years. You know, every year, typically we'll have a downturn in excess of 10% during most years, at some point during the year. Now, most years it recovers and we end up positive seven or positive 12 or, or whatever the case may be, but the markets are volatile. And that's why we want to assess how comfortable you are with the swings of the market. But if you, there, there's a lot of studies that if you miss, you know, so many days in the market, then, then your return gets reduced significantly when that happens. And so, you know, I, I think the study is that if you, in the last 20 years, if you miss the five, um, you know, worst days. So you're trying to time it and you said, I'm going to get out and you miss those, those five worst days. It increases your mark, your return a little bit. But if you miss the best five days, then you're, you know, you go from a 7% rate of return down to, to 4.3. Mm. And if you miss just the 10 best days, you're down to a 2% average. So it works, about. it works both ways. So you got to, got to commit. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you can't time that. You can't tell me if tomorrow is going to be up or down, right? Yeah. There, there's no, nobody knows that. If anybody's telling you that, you should probably change advisors. Okay. Uh, let's change advisors. Brandon, um, how, how much, <laughs> how much money did you, did you lose in coin? <laughs> so I don't have any, okay. <laughs> any, any, uh, cryptocurrencies. Okay. Um, Is, okay. So but, why, so why not? Do you guys, do you guys have an, uh, any portfolios with it in it or do you sell them at all? 
No, we don't. no, no, we don't okay. sell cryptocurrencies at all or have any portfolios in it. They're, they're not regulated investments yet. They're starting to get through on some of the exchange traded funds. Yeah, I thought there were some but, funds with it in it, but okay. So, so they're not, there's not funds with actual, um, like Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin or, or the different coins in it yet, but they are starting to get funds with some of the, the blockchain technology. You're starting to get funds with, the, the you know the surrounding industry yeah um is is where they're at there's a bunch that are in front of the sec for approval that they're trying to get approval for but they haven't been approved at this point okay okay brandon and, and i wanted to make a comment earlier not all portfolios are are created equal and not all portfolios can you use that i'm going to ride it out strategy right when we build our portfolios we're building them out of well-diversified quality funds, ETFs, um, and, and, and we can have confidence, right? That so long as, you know, uh, the United States continues to function and Walmart's open and Amazon's delivering packages and, and Ford's making cars and trucks. I mean, we, we're confident, right? That, that these are, these portfolios will, will be able to rebound and, and recover because they're based, they're based on companies making money. And as long as companies can make money, right, the, you're, you're going to have that, that value there. That's not true of all, all investment portfolios and definitely not true of, of most cryptocurrencies, right? And so I think it's important to, to recognize the difference. It's not, it's not just you can't just ride anything out. You have to make sure that you're owning quality things, that you know what you own and you're owning them on purpose. And you have that confidence that, that what you own isn't a worthless company or a worthless asset. And, and so I think that that too helps people, right, as we as we go through these markets to understand, you know, what can you trust and, and what can't you trust? So if if I don't have a financial advisor, let's say I have a 401k, um, you know, what give me a quick sales pitch, Brandon, what why how do you help people um, in bear markets? And why should somebody use a financial advisor versus just like letting it ride in a 401k? Yeah, great question. I, I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing, I, when when you go into these markets, it's all emotional, right? It's all, hey, wh where's this going? What am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? Should I sell? Should I try and save some of it? But but advising does a couple of things. First of all, we we can know what we own, right? I've seen I've seen horror stories in four hundred one k's where people they just didn't understand what they were doing. They they talked to the guy, you know, at the water cooler. He said, no, you got to buy this, right? Whatever this is. And they buy it. They don't understand what it is. And, and they put themselves in a, in a terrible position, which postpones retirement at loot, right? They sell it the wrong time, right? There's, a, there's, I guess, a, a million reasons why, um, why doing it on your own, if you haven't done enough research can, can end poorly. Um, but I'd say going beyond that, all of this comes into scope when we can do a financial plan, when we can pull it all together and say, okay, this isn't just a portfolio of stocks and bonds. This is an asset that is going to need to generate this income. And how much income is it going to need to generate? And how much am I going to pull from Social Security? And how am I going to pull all of this together? Because that's, I mean, I've been doing quite a bit of that during this, this downturn in the market. I'll call clients and say, hey, let's, let's walk through this. You know, what does this look like? Let's, we've done your financial plan when markets were peaked out and it looked like this. Let's take this exact plan, copy it over, update it with the lower account balances and see what's changed and give you an idea of, of how markets impact your plan. And I'll, you know, spoiler alert, it's amazing how little 
it, the, the markets will change your plan. And part of that is because we're adjusting for it, right? Part of it is because when you're young, it really doesn't matter because we got time to recover. When you're older, we're getting a little bit more conservative with things and, and it doesn't impact it. You know, the swings aren't quite as dramatic. And so um, I, I think that those are really the two things. Make sure you're not doing anything crazy and, and, and doing anything that's going to just completely blow up the retirement savings. And then two, giving you the perspective. Um, to understand how much risk you should be taking or how much risk you need to take um, and and pulling it all together so that you have that long-term perspective and you don't make a knee-jerk mistake. Okay. Rex, you know, the best time to prepare for a bear market is before the bear market, uh, you know, timing that. So I like that. I'm going to quote you. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to basics here and, you know, how much – how much money should we have saved in an emergency fund? And, you know, what's the position, what should a, a good anti-bear market position have looked like? So, so on emergency funds, you know, we're big believers that you should have three to six months of your spending in an emergency fund. So and in cash, people, right? That could be a big range. What's that? Sorry, cash, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. cash. Well, I mean, not cash under your mattress cash, okay. but yes, yeah. in a savings account or a gotcha. checking account or right. So, liquid, right. Very, right. very liquid and accessible. Some people need a little firewall. And so sometimes we <laughs> like it at different institutions. <laughs> that trick where they like, they put it in a, a cup and then f- put it in the freezer. So they got to wait for it to melt. Before they use it. I know yeah. people that have done that. that have frozen, <laughs> you know, they, they literally put it in, they literally put it in a Ziploc baggie stick it in the freezer and put ice around it and and they literally have to let it thaw. And so it's, it's kind of funny. So, but yeah, three to to six months. And so we err on three months. If your job is, is stable and secure and you've been there for a while, then, then typically we err down to the three months. Uh, If you're, if you're in sales or your income fluctuates a lot, or you're earlier in life to where you're, you're changing jobs more frequently, um, things like that, then typically we lean towards the six month window. And, and if you're in retirement, then, then we normally lean towards kind of that six month with another couple of years in, in safer, more secure investment streams, because we're in a, in a depleting, you know, stature where we're pulling money out of the accounts. And so we want to make sure that we can ride through a down market like this. And so it depends on your stage in life a little bit as to what we recommend, but normally it's that three to six months. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Uh, Back to basics again. If we have debts, we're paying down credit cards, cars, um, is now a time to make minimum payments on the debts and put more in savings for just in case or still or is it smarter to keep paying down a debt depending on how big they are? So, so, so if your emergency fund is where it needs to be, then then we start paying down debt more, right? And so, you know, we, we want your emergency fund first to be where it needs to be. And then we start accelerating debt pay down at the same time that we're taking advantage of 401k matches and, and making sure that we're saving on the other side of things. Okay. Right. And so you've got to be looking at those things in concert, which is what financial planning helps you with, which is part of what we do. And so, you know, you want to look at all three of those working together. But but generally speaking, if your emergency fund is good and, and feels solid, 
then then we want to continue to pay that debt off and and there's different strategies to do that so okay so let's say i'm market savvy and i understand putting more money into the market uh, uh, and while it's going down i could make potentially make a lot of money later should i pay less down on debts and instead throw that in the market at this time so so there's an argument that could be made for that. The The trick is what kind of interest rate are you paying on your debt, right? If you're talking about a, a 9% credit card debt or 18% credit card debt, that's a guaranteed rate of return on your money by paying that debt off, right? Mm -hmm. Where the stock market money has risk associated with it. You may get 9% over the next year. You may get 18% over the next year. You may get negative 18% over the next year. And so, you know, part of it depends on on what that rate is. If you have a, an auto loan at 2.4% or, or extremely low, then certainly a financial argument could be made for making the minimum payments on that. And then, you know, dollar cost averaging the rest into the markets. But a lot of that's going to come down to your personal, you know, ability to tolerate risk. Mm -hmm. And and so the more aggressive a person is and the more comfortable they are with, with the you know, upswings and downswings of the market, the more they're going to fall into that camp of, of making the minimum payment on those low interest loans and, and then putting any extra back into their investment portfolio. The, the more risk averse somebody is, then the less likely they're going to be to do that. And even though it makes financial sense, we don't always do things because it makes financial sense. Sometimes we do things because we can't handle the stress level mm of what may be financially in our best interest. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like stress. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you're admittedly not, um, a big real estate investor. Um, during market downturns, do, you know, people tend to invest in different things, bonds, uh, gold, uh, is real estate typically a safe haven when the market drops or, I, or where's real estate sit? So, so real estate can be a great investment. Um, and so I, I'm not sure I would say that I'm, I'm not, you know, a fan of real estate investing. I think real estate's a great, can be a great investment. Um, I just think it's an illiquid investment. And I think that because it, you know, your statement isn't shoved in front of, in front of your face every single day and every single hour. So you're not seeing those price fluctuations like you do in the stock market that it's, it's easier to kind of ignore the fluctuations in the real estate market. But it, it was interesting because just before this call, I was, I was talking to one of our clients that does a lot of real estate. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate that he does. And, and we were having that discussion of, just, now just to clarify, time, it, it wasn't me that called you. It was a, somebody else that called you. Just, just <laughs> to clarify, just you. to clarify. Yeah. Was, Thank you for narrowing yeah. that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throwing it out there. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was interesting. We had a great discussion about is now the time to be investing in real estate versus is now the time to be investing in the market because yeah. real estate has had an enormous boon the last three years. Yeah. Right. And, and has climbed like people haven't seen it climb for some people during their lifetime, hmm. but certainly for, for a lot of people, they haven't seen a climb like that for, for decades. And, and it's extremely expensive. Um, now it's not to say that it won't continue to grow from here. It's not to say that it may flatline and in real estate will do whatever real estate does. But when you look at the actual value of, of 
the real estate market, would you say real estate is is high or low just in general right now, Brandon? Uh, the like the pro- the pricing of it like is it over? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it's high is still. The pricing of real estate high or low just in general? Yeah, high, it's, I think right? it's high. Yeah. And so but and so and are again, rates right now. Keep in mind, one of our core values is to buy low and sell high. Right. 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 And so is the stock market just if you were to take a snapshot, is it high or low right now? Low. Okay. And so, you know, do you want to be buying something that's high or do you want to be buying something that's low? I see your argument. Yeah. I know it's strong. So how many so- houses should I, <laughs> how many houses should I sell to, to dive into the market? Yeah. And, and so it depends on what, you know, again, if you're going to own the homes for 20, 30 years and rent them out and it depends on what you're, what you're doing with the homes. Are you trading the homes and you, and you want to get out and get into a cheaper asset? Then, then you want to look at that. You know, the, the homes on the market have doubled over the last 30 days in Utah. Um, we've gone from 2000 homes, roughly to 4,000 homes, roughly. And, and with interest rates going up, there's a good chance that that continues to slow down that real estate market. Yeah. And so it just depends on if you want to be out and lose that cash flow of rental income and take the risk in the markets or whether you're comfortable writing out whatever this next real estate cycle looks like, whether it's a flat cycle an up cycle or a down cycle in real estate. And I've seen articles stating all three of those and, and whether you need the money again, real estate is fairly illiquid. It's tough to get at. And so yeah. if you're going to need the money in the next few years, then that's probably needs to be a consideration of, is that the right asset to be in at this point in time? So after if it's something that you don't need money for, five years or seven years or 10 years, then it's a different argument. Were you able to change your, your client's mind and sell all their real estate portfolio and move it into the market? No, 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 but he's, he's in it for the long haul for sure. And so, you know, but, but we did talk about averaging in some additional funds. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, I think it illustrates just how difficult it is to like, we all say, Oh yeah, yeah. Buy low, sell high. But it's so hard, yeah. right? Like it, when you have that momentum, right? Looking back, how easy was it to invest last year in the market? I mean, it was just so easy. Even though we knew valuations, they, they were they weren't crazy, but they were higher than they are today. You know, it was so easy. You would, if we were all logical beings, right now it would be easier to invest in the market today than it was 12 months ago. And yet we find it to be just the inverse. Yeah. I think Dan said something on our last podcast where he's like, over the last 10 years, you basically could have just uh, picked a, picked a mutual fund and, and won. Um, yeah. Or any so, stock. Yeah. So, yeah. but, the, and so this is a little rough for people who are just starting out. Um, Brandon, oh, did you have some more numbers? Yeah. You Sweet. bet. All right. Let's hear I some picked this numbers. out before your crypto comment, but uh, <laughs> hey, before, before, before you do it. that, yeah, before you do that, really quick, I actually had some amazing s'mores in San Diego two weeks ago. It's San Diego, and really? So, yeah, we were down at Mission Bay with the family on a vacation, and and so, you know, essentially what I did, just so you guys know, is I went graham cracker, yeah, chocolate, marshmallow, half a graham cracker marshmallow chocolate graham cracker and so it was like a double decker double stack Uh, yeah it was it was good we were we were there at the same time i forgot about that we were there at the same time we just missed each other yeah not to get off topic but i gotta just say if anyone at hershey's or someone is listening i've got a great idea for the graham cracker what you got to do is you have to make chocolate 
in a waffle shape. So that it has little pockets. And then when you put the marshmallow on it and it squeezes down, you know how it squeezes all the marshmallow out yeah, on the sides? Yeah, yeah. If you have pockets built into this chocolate, then you can just eat it with the marshmallow in the pocket. So I think, yeah, I, I think you're onto something. I still think it'll fail because the marshmallows I know, I've been are so for big. This technology for years. It just hasn't <laughs> gotten to the right people. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, hit, anyway, hit us with some numbers. Yeah. More numbers. <laughs> and so, so the Federal Trade Commission reported between January of 2021 and March of 2022, 46,000 Americans. I mean, just that's a fairly significant portion of the population. But 46,000 Americans reported being scammed out of an estimated $1 billion from cryptocurrency cons. Oh, so this is crypto. Wow. Back to crypto. So 46,000 Americans are are on the record. Lost, lost $1 billion from from scams and things in, in the cryptocurrency space. And, and I think, again, right, this isn't, we're not trying to promote or demote, right, cryptocurrency, but, but I think it's important to, to make sure with anything, whether that's investing in real estate, investing in the stock market, or investing, you know, anywhere, that, that you are very cautious and you work with a reputable company and reputable people. Because um, that's a big number. That's a really yeah. big number. Well, some advisors will say all crypto is a scam. So it just depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Br- <laughs> Brandon, uh, before we leave here, because we're about to, to jump out of this podcast, uh, make us all very happy with our lives. Tell us why we should not be worried about a a bear market and a potentially upcoming recession. Yeah. So I, I, I two things, first of all, I, I've, I had a, a few clients actually lately that um, either inherited a, a large sum of money or just came across a large sum of money. Um, and, and we're just kind of thrown into the investing world without having had any experience in the past. And it has been, I mean, a very difficult experience for them, right? Obviously, it's, it's it's hard to see markets go up and down, but but what I, I guess I've come to realize is that there's there's a certain education that needs to take place, and it's an education by experience that all investors have to get under their belt, and and so I, I think you know as we look at the current market space that we're in, I think it's it's it, a for young investors, it's a really really good opportunity to understand what markets do up and down. Um, but but then also really stepping back, this isn't that crazy, right? Fundamentally, we're in a place where the consumer, which drives the economy, the consumer's in a strong place. Corporate earnings are actually very healthy still. And and the markets, it's not, you know, we're, we're this isn't 2008, right? The, the markets are down, but they're not, they're not down 40%. Um, and, and so, you know, any, anything can happen, right. And future events can happen and wars can happen and, and, and you never know. Right. And that's, that's the difficulty of investing, but, but by and large, right. There, there's, it doesn't seem like there's anything that is fundamentally just going to completely crash the economy. Right. And so it, getting back to what Rex said, I mean, this, this really is a g- good time where the markets are priced at a, a really reasonable rate. Um, and and knowing that fundamentally things are still very, really quite stable. I think this is a really good opportunity um, for investors that can kind of keep the more logical side of their brain on rather than getting emotionally pulled into, 
you know, all the YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go to YouTube right now. Uh, Rex, last words on bear market. What did we, what did we miss and why should people contact planwithbaxter.com? You know, I, I think on bear markets that the important thing is, is if you, if you went into the bear market, taking more risk than what you thought or more risk than what you're comfortable with, then, then the important thing is to probably last through the bear market and then make the adjustment on the backside of that. Mm. You know, if you, if you're in a position where you've inherited something or you've had some money in motion and, and you're in, in the, the fortunate position to where you have, you know, liquid money, then, then there's good times to start dollar cost averaging into, into bear markets and to, to try and take advantage of depressed values. I think measuring your portfolio always to a benchmark or an index, I think is, is not as good as measuring your return to your personal goals of saying, you know, I, I want to retire by, you know, age 60 or 65 or 55, whatever that is in order, in order to do that, I need to save X amount per year and I need to average whatever rate of return on my money between now and then. And keeping that in mind and looking at your three-year number, your five-year number, and your 10-year number to make sure that that's in line with what you're trying to achieve. This won't be your last bear market unless you're unfortunate or extremely old. And so, how many you know, of you, probably, Rex, how many have you seen and where does this one sit on your, in your experience? <laughs> so, so I, you know, I remember 87 um, as far as that's, that's concerned. So I would say 87, 91, um, 94, 2000 to 2002, 2008. Some people would call the COVID correction um, of 20 as, as a bear market dropped 40% in four weeks. And then, and then this one. So I would say seven in call it 30 years. Okay. Right. And, and I think that that's pretty normal to see things like that. So I, I think, you know, the, the hard thing for people is when they get in right at the tail end of a bull market. And so they, they catch the last year or two, which sometimes can almost be straight up that last year or two of a bull market. And so they get the misperception of, oh, my gosh, my money made 30 percent last year. It's always going to be like this. And it's not mm. right. Long term you're probably going to average six to 12% on your money, depending upon how much risk you're taking in your money. And, and so you get disillusioned because of the downturn and then they never get back into it. And that's the worst thing that can happen to somebody is to, to have such a bad experience that, that they, that they never participate on that. Because at the end of the day, all of these things are just tools to get a return on your money whether it's the stock market, the bond market, CDs at a bank, you know, investment, real estate, Bitcoin, all of these things, right, are just, they're, they're just tools to get a return on your money. And that's all it is. And, and some have more risk than others. Some, you know, have more volatility than others. And some will have a higher potential return than others. And it's a matter of balancing those things out based on what you're trying to do so that you don't make the exact wrong decision at the exact wrong time, which is selling at the bottom so that you can't recover. 
I think that's the best reason to have a financial planner is just be able to blame someone else when it goes when it goes bad. <laughs> like it wasn't wasn't my fault. It was yeah. Some so so if that's not a pitch, I don't know what is. Rex Brandon, thanks so much for hanging out with us today on Through the Pines. Uh, for more information, it is planwithbaxter.com. Uh, if you if you're not currently using a financial planner, it is free to reach out to uh, Rex Rex and Brandon uh, and get set get set up so that you're in a good position. Um, you know, coming go, moving through the, this bear market and into what could be a boom soon after. So, um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it for this. Thanks, <laughs> I, was look, I was looking at my notes. Yeah, that's it. So uh, this has been through the pines, reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. <laughs> <laughs>